You are listening to the Uncovered Canvas Podcast, and we'll be right with you. This is Editing G Knight here. Figured I'd let you know that this episode is a little special because originally we had lost the Kitsu page for the Safer Work tags, but as I was digging through my files, I ended up finding it. So this is going to be a special re-recorded version of the Safer Work tags, but a little more refined and thankfully a little more focused. So I hope you enjoy. Today, everyone, I feel I'm going to redeem myself from the previous episode's blunder, if I can admit. With uh, this episode, I kind of wanted to uh, jump back and forth between us because I I figured it might be a little more fun that way. So, Mm. and instead of playing the devil's advocate, I figured we can kind of more gush about what makes our safer work stories more appealing to us and some more recommendations. Yeah, because I, I figure, all right, so before we'd have to put in the nuke codes and whatever, but here I figure, let's, let's splurge out over series that we enjoy. I only have three on my list that really appeal to me. I don't know how many you've gotten, but I definitely... I am entirely unprepared, but I do have a couple of genres and a couple of key items that I want to recommend, mm-hmm. as I think is, like, pinnacles of these genres. Right. Um, but, so, like, I'm somewhat prepared in my head only because I spend every day of my life thinking about anime and manga and how to defend right. myself whenever somebody criticizes it. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. let's debate. <laughs> right, let's go. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> so I only have the three. So our st- I'll start off and then we'll bounce back and forth between your list and my list. So mm-hmm. I'll start first with this one, simply because I can kind of lean into it a little better. Recently, I was checking out a video And someone was saying, you know, I don't hate anime. I just don't like this. And then he plays a clip of K-On! And he was playing the Japanese dub. So what ends up happening is, you know, you have high-pitched, very cutesy girls like, Oh, uh, Anzu-chan, you're saying you're super super cute with the the cat ears and yada yada. Can you say nya and whatever, so on and so forth. And and he's saying, he's like, I don't understand this. Why is this appealing? What is the, all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. So that's more your generic, can I cute girls doing cute things, slice of life deal. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's not really appealing to me, but why is these series appealing to me? And then I realized, because I had mentioned it before, there's a genre. It's not really, it's, this is the Japanese word for it. It's a iyashike, which is commonly, I believe it translates to healing or soothing. Mm. So the point of Iyashike series is it's a calm, very healing, sit down and feel good series. These series are designed to give you this healing and soothing vibe. There's little to no conflict whatsoever, and it's more about establishing this atmosphere of warmth. Yeah, this feel good kind of attitude. Right. There's little to no story. It's Unfortunately, the, this is why I was so confused, because usually these series are lumped together with Slice of Life or Cute Girls Doing Cute Things. 
instead of its own thing, which it is, but it just gets lumped together. So you have series like uh, Aria, you have series like Flying Witch, you have Konohana Kitan, Sweet Le- oh, man, Sweetness and Lightning, Laid Back Camp. My personal favorite is Senko-san. Laid Back Camp. Is that Yuru Camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. So uh, Laid Back Camp is like these girls going camping and just doing stuff while they're camping. Oh, there's this scene that you could find where one of the girls excited that she got a portable grill. That's like this little box, and when she puts it together, she's like, look what I bought. Look at all the cool things I could do now while I go camping. Yeah. Yeah. Sweetness and Lightning is about a, is a series about a father and a, a, his daughter. Unfortunately, the wife had passed, and he's kind of relying on uh, pre-prep meals in order to do stuff. So he meets the—I uh, believe it's one of his—it's uh, been a while since I've seen the anime. I need I really need to pick up a manga. So you have to forgive me if some of the details are slightly off. But I believe he meets one of his students or a student that goes to his school as well. And they end up learning to cook together because the student uh, works at a restaurant. And she's saying, no, you know, you can't have your daughter only eating pre-made meals, even though pre-made meals are way healthier in Japan than they are in the States. <laughs> so— it's like, well, you know, you got to change up her diet, yada, yada. It's not good for her. So they end up cooking together. And his daughter is just the sweetest thing. It's just them cooking together. Mm. It's such, So, you know, not only are you getting some cooking stuff, but it's also a nice and wholesome thing that you see, you know, the daughter and the father really bonding over cooking stuff and eating good stuff. Flying Witch, you know, it's about this one girl in this town. It's just, it's a very neutered witchcraft, I guess, would be the easiest way to put it. And it's just, you know, them exploring the different stuff that she can do. Konohana Kitan and Senko-san are probably the ones I'm super biased to because fox girls are objectively the best. Konohana Kitan is about these fox girls who are running this inn or hot, this hot spring resort in this other world. And it's just them, you know having miscellaneous stuff while they're running the place. While Senko-san is about this fox who ends up coming to the salary worker's home because he's just really down in the dumps. You can literally see his depressing aura just emanating from him. And she's saying, no, 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 I got to get rid of this because, you know, this is really unhealthy. And all he needed was, you know, that extra oomph to really get him going. Just that slight bit of happiness in his life to really get him going, which happens to be, I want to touch the fluffy tail. And hey, look at that. Just two minutes, two minutes of fluffing the fluffy tail every day. And his mood suddenly changes to, oh, God, I got to get up in the morning, too. And, and then it changes to, oh, boy, I can't wait to go to work and then come home and have Senko-san greet me. Very healing, very soothing type of series. There's nothing to it, you know? You're not really getting a story out of this. It's an emotional support anime is what yeah, it is. Yeah, so that's one of mine. At, at its core, you're healing, you know? There's uh, a lot of the slice of life Moe type shows can also do that, but that's not really the focus on it. Moe is more of a evoking this cuteness feel instead of, I mean. Yeah, it's more like a, Moe is closer to like uh, pet feelings, right? Like you, you think this dog is so cute or this cat is so cute. And the cat does cat things and the dog does dog things. But this, what you're describing is closer to like medicine, right? Right, right. Emotional right. medicine. That's number one on my list. Hero, what's number one on yours? Uh, I would probably have to say fantasy mm-hmm. adventure. 
it's not often done very well, much in the case of yours as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, but when it is done well, it's it's kind of like mind-boggling and life-changing. There are a couple of examples, I think, of really well-done fantasy adventure stories. Uh, Made in Abyss being a clear top contender, where the world-building is just like next level, mm-hmm. right? The amount of detail and care put into how everything works in this world is very clearly done by somebody who enjoys the concept, which I think is kind of like the, the deciding factor between like, these types of stories of quality and then other types of stories like um, isekai, right, or other world uh, stories that you typically get. You know, there's that meme going around where, like, you can't tell which city this isekai city is from because they're all, you know, it's like city with a wall around it and a river going through the middle and there's like 150 different like they're all the same but whatever and then you get attack on titan which is that but like three times bigger (laughs) it's like okay so at least in attack on titan it's motivated so there's like a reason why this city looks the way that it does but um everything else is like oh yeah this is generic dragon dragon quest city yeah but uh, in the case of something like Made in Abyss, you got this giant hole that's in the middle of the planet that nobody really knows what the deal is, but there's this entire society and culture that's kind of been developed around discovering what's inside this hole and why it exists and whatever, like this lost civilization type stuff. And it's hundreds and hundreds of years old. People have like landed on this and have developed a society around it so much so that there's like now religions surrounding the hole and businesses surrounding the hole and people trade and decide for all the technology that they find in the hole and then there's like you know the they employ orphans to do like the grunt work of like scaling the top levels of the wall so they can train them to go down to the bottom levels of right. the wall or of the hole and it's it, it's really just like if anything that's explained in the story you can think about like on a deeper level and it makes it so much more engaging than you know why do, why does this wall exist around the city because all cities in this era have walls around them to protect them from i don't know the demon king right. or something but they never like but it's also like that doesn't you don't see that in those types of stories because it's like always peaceful and everybody is happy and there's an adventure guild and everything runs on game logic, but nobody really questions why it runs on game. Oh logic. man, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> this is the this is the rant we went on before with like Goblin Slayer, where it's like, oh, you know, why does this happen? Why does that happen? It's like, oh well, it's a it's a video game. It's like it's like uh it's like your Dragon Quest. It's like your uh your fantasy setting. That's why you know. Oh uh, how does magic work? Yada yada. I cast I cast fireball, or you get a whatever right. incantation and it's not really explained why it's just kind of well it, it's a fantasy series a fantasy reason exactly so like if i had to describe it as like certain levels i think there would be like level zero to level mm-hmm. two so level zero would be it is a video game so you have like dot hack and sort of a line and stuff like that right it's like yes it is a video game that's why the world operates like this this is why all the npcs are npcs whatever level one would be like it's video game inspired but nobody really questions it so it's like you know whatever it's like this is how the world works why who knows that's how it always has worked great i don't care about this world anymore all the npc people they act like npcs but they're really people right right? and then you have level two which is like 
uh, or I guess zero to level right. three, but you have level two, which is like they put a little more effort into it where it's like it's a different world, but there's like a reason why everything's video gamey. So that's where you have your log horizon and shield hero, right? It's like, oh, they kind of like this. It's inspired by this way, but there's like a logic to the world. Where does this logic come from? God, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, man. so it's like, it's one level deeper, but not not as far as you can get. And then you have level three, which is like Maiden Abyss and Mushoku Tensei, where it's just a world, right? It's a, it's a, it's inspired by video games. It's inspired by fantasy. It's inspired by these things, but there is so far in a logic all the way down that they're livable, breathable worlds where shit happens in the background that the main character is just not even involved with. Like in Mushoku Tensei, there's battles between gods and like things happening, like main character shit that's happening miles and miles away from the main character while he's just like living his life and giving tutoring to this fucking bratty eight-year-old girl or some oh shit like that God. right i don't Meanwhile, there's, like, shit going on in the background that's, like, world-ending, and you're like, oh my god, like, what the fuck's going on? And you get piecemeals of it because it affects his life in, like, the most intricate ways possible. Every once in a while, Mushoku Tensei is, like, kind of convenient, like, when it was Roxy right. figure, makes it all the way up to the prince, but it's, like, in inconsequential ways. It doesn't affect the story in any way. It's just like, oh, that's, you know, that's how these two characters are related, because this thing just happened to happen. I was like, okay, I can buy that because everything else is, like, really sellable. Um, similar to the case of, like, uh, in Maiden Abyss, where that, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the, the giant snake thing that's in episode mm -hmm. one ends up on the on the roof of the planet and reg who conveniently has lost his memory because of some shit that happens and stuff like that it's very very convenient in the first episode but everything around it is like littered with so much detail that you can just kind of forget about it um the convenience because you're like i'm sure there's a reason and it's probably not a very good reason because sometimes life is just convenient right, right? like not everything has to have a fucking dramatic side story to it like why why did this teacher give me an f was it because they hate me and they're trying they have it out for me blah, blah. no it's probably just you're a dumbass you didn't do the work <laughs> you didn't do the work or maybe they were having a bad day and it's completely unrelated to you and sometimes shit just happens and that's very much the case in mushoko tensei and main abyss doesn't happen very often um which is great for the story but it does sometimes mm -hmm. happen um and then, you know, the I guess up there in level three as well would be Attack on Titan, though it's like on the bottom rung of that. It's like two. Yeah, like everything is explained because... in it. Like everything in Attack on Titan, it is explained why it is the way it is. And right. There's a motivation behind everything. But the, the there is also a substantial amount of convenience. in it. <laughs> like a lot of that story is just so convenient. Like the idea that you can inherit the memories of your future self come on uh, guy like uh, i get you're supposed to basically be god but really like why is there one rebellion titan <laughs> like what why why does the rebellion guy get the rebellion titan it's because his future self gave his previous selves memories to in order for that to happen but the only way for that to happen is if, if time was a linear kind of cycle uh, i don't know it's very convenient and Honestly, like, I'm not criticizing Attack on Titan because it's fucking cool. Right. It's, like, really cool when he's, like, confronting his dad in the fucking, the Reese chamber. And he's like, hey, you're gonna do it. 
you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And it's like, it's so intense. And then he fucking, he has a breakdown outside right. of the fucking thing after he kills all those kids. Nice. <laughs> and he asks Zeke to <laughs> yeah. stop Aaron. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's so good. None of it makes any fucking sense logically right. if you think about it too hard. But it's cool as shit. So the, like that's where the rule of cool is being applied. So yeah, fantasy adventure, very underrated, not often done very well, but when it is done really, really well, it's incredible. So it's gonna one be thing one I do want to point out because I, I don't want I don't mean to put this on a tangent. I'll even put it on a timer just to make sure I don't spend too much time on this, but. I get really annoyed when the story entirely revolves around your main cast to the point where nothing in this universe happens without them being involved. There is absolutely there was at at one point in one piece that used to not be the thing at one point in one piece. You can theoretically point to and say this would have happened if the straw hats if the straw hats weren't there. They just have yeah, Doflamingo, yeah. Arlong, they, all those people. They had shit going on before well, the Straw but Hats. But after a certain point, it became no. Nothing happens unless the Straw Hats are there. Nothing happens yep. in this world unless you literally see Luffy there, and it's annoying because it's like, dude, I know. Like obviously, when you're doing a story, you need to have you know your main characters be main characters. You know, I'm reading One Piece for the Straw Hats. But there's also the rest of the world that I want to know what's going on. Because before, it's like, well, uh, what's X character doing in the background? What's them doing? What are they doing in the background? So on and so forth. Now, it's the opposite to where I want to know what the fuck they're doing. Because now we're going into this point where it's, well, uh, nothing happens unless the Straw Hats are there. But now you have the old way of storytelling where it's, oh, look what they're doing in the background. Why? Why is Blackbeard such a... Why should I care about Blackbeard? How is he intimidating? Everything I see about him is off screen. Oh, he's doing this off screen? I sure as shit don't care. How is he intimidating? How is he supposed to be this freaking... Uh, how is he supposed to be, you know, this major villain in the series where I don't even see half the shit he does? Don Flamingo... That's because he's entirely powered by intrigue, right? The the idea of the unknown is what makes I him I don't know, man. Like, before, you could see why Don Flamingo was freaking badass. Like, you don't need to see everything he's doing. You just kind of need to see enough. Like, I remember during that entire war with the, uh, with the, I believe, I get this confused all the damn time. It's the Navy, right? Not the Marines. Because I get it. So, I believe uh, in the anime for the English dub that we got, they turned him into the Navy. Whereas in the manga, I think they're the Marines. I, it, it's super fucking confusing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, it's... It's both. Um, the world government is employed pretty much strictly by the Marines, but because the entire planet is like water based, mm-hmm. that they have the, the only form of military they okay. have. So is it, the it's Navy. super confusing. I apologize, but you know, you see, Don Flamingo uses power to take over the physically most strongest person there, and he's just controlling him like a puppet. Here, I'm thinking that. I'm sorry, you have full control over this guy now. Excuse me, huh? You're a man in the chair type character, and then Oda dropped the ball with his arc. Freaking oh, I. Uh, uh, Devil Fruit Awakenings and the uh, Dressrosa was such a uh, oh my god! Uh. I know I keep starting and stopping it. I still haven't gotten dude. Dressrosa introduced a power up that I'm like okay, so yeah, you kind of needed. And then Wano did another bullshit power up that actively broke the damn story, guys. Is it? It's his, uh, spoiler. Skip ahead thirty seconds, guys. Just just skip ahead thirty seconds. It's his Gear Five, and he retcons yeah. what type of fruit Luffy has. Yeah. Really? What type um, of fruit originally does he, have? he had a paramecia type. 
Now he changed right. it into um, like the God one. I can't remember what they because uh, it was Paramecia, Logia, and then I can't remember what that third one was. But that third one is that legendary fruit that not a lot of people have. So he changed it to that. So mm-hmm. now you know the uh, now this story revolves again around the Straw Hats. It's like, ah, oh, damn it! Can can we go back no, to the uh, old world building? Go back. I want to know all this stuff over there. Keep your stuff. You know, yeah, you want your main characters to be the to be the center of the story, but you could tell stories over there you know there's um i recently in my i'm looking down at my collection i have you know the one of the ninja turtles omnibus right here and there's an entire sub series called tmnt universe where they tell short stories and different you know characters perspectives over there it's going on over there you know you're still reading tmnt and you still get other characters perspectives but you still go back to the the main team it's just something that's annoying to me where if you do it too hard the story revolves around your characters and it's the center of the universe they need to be there in order for shit to happen everything else is static without them being there but you know what's not static what's not static static shock oh boy then i was gonna try i'm trying to i was trying to get my notes written it's like you know it's not static science fiction which is my second genre on this list now science fiction is is another term science fiction is another term that gets really muddled in what people think it is versus what you know science fiction is at its core now this is argued a lot and i'm i'm no i'm no freaking phd years of schooling english major but i sure should know what the difference is between science fiction and science fantasy now science fiction science fiction at its core is seeing how humanity and different ideas are brought on because of the technology that you're introducing in this story. So um, you have, there's these three writers that are known as the big three of science fiction. I only know Isaac Asimov, and, but there's, uh, I believe, Lewis E. Clark. And unfortunately, I don't recall the uh, last gentleman. But these guys are the ones that really established what science fiction is. And, you know, their work is, in, uh, beside, uh, I only know... Isaac Asimov, because, you know, obviously there's Asimov's law of robotics, you know, the three rules that a robot will always have. But then you also have, I'm more familiar with Isaac Asimov and his Foundation trilogy, mostly because there's this very nice uh, hardcover collector's edition kind of thing that Barnes Noble put out. And, you know, my curiosity got the best of me and I bought that. And it was pretty cheap too. So I figured, you know, why not? I'll pick it up. So you have stories of this, you know, society growing. And it's it's hard to explain because there's three books in this series. And it's if you like the idea of exploring just how humanity is and seeing a society grow in this futuristic setting, check it out. There's uh, Frank Herbert's Dune exploring this other uh, going more into the philosophical side of the science fiction thing where, yeah, you have Paul Atreides checking out and stuck on this planet of Arrakis, but then it stops being about Paul and is more about his son and, you know, him being an emperor in this universe. At its core, you're exploring humanity with this technology. Uh, Black Mirror is an example of science fiction. Some of the episodes revolve around this new piece of technology, and now you see the majority of the episode revolve around people living with this piece of technology. Uh, and he's an example of being... What if you can visibly, you know, show people your memories, kind of like a like a Bluetooth and like a like a Blu-ray disc. 
So, you know, oh, I'm going to dial up. Oh, hey, you guys remember uh, when we went to prom and we had all these crazy actions and yada, yada. And he literally pulls up the memory that they can watch. And it's super appealing to me to see the different ideas that are coming about. Another example would be Ghost in the Shell, the original manga, I should say, because a lot of it reads. uh, You are following Matoko Kusanagi and uh, some other characters around uh, in this setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're exploring this. I don't believe they're called. They're not androids, but you're exploring this world where you have these bodies that people can be put into if something happens to the original and the other things that he just decides to bring up. He's asking a lot of questions in the original manga. The movie and the animes kind of went in a more detective style story instead of just here's here's humanity in this and that and so on and so forth. It, I like both directions of where it went, but the main focus is that. So if you're not cool on being asked the question of what is a human? What is a man? Because there's also a couple stories like do uh, do robots dream of electric sheep? Mm, yeah. yeah. So not the O. Oh, it, it is about exploring these ideas. You know, Star Wars and Star Trek are science fantasy. Star Wars is a even George Lucas had admitted Star Wars is a callback to old uh, space-faring serials back in the day. Your Flash mm. Gordon type deal. He made it specifically because he couldn't make Flash yeah, Gordon. I believe right? so. He was either inspired by it or he ended up doing that because he couldn't make a Flash Gordon movie. I'm kind of shaky on the details on that, but it is inspired by old-school space-faring adventure serials that he grew up watching. So now you have this adventure in space. You're not really... Exp- it's not until you get into the EU, the, the non-canon expanded universe... Uh, stuff thanks mm-hmm. kathleen kennedy a lot of these great stories do end up becoming more science fictiony but at its core star wars is more about the adventure this science fantasy type deal star trek right because it... you don't know the technology or anything behind like a lightsaber and that doesn't matter oh, to man. The story. Uh, funny enough uh lightsaber is the reason why it uh apparently the blade is actually super curved that's why the light goes back in on it so it, it, they do explain later in like books and stuff why how the lightsaber works but you know you need an extra side book to explain stuff whereas star trek it is closer to science fiction at its core but it is still jackasses not listening to the one fucking rule they were given and now here's how the story starts like uh, sorry star trek fans guess what your super whatever high class super philosophical series is jackass is not listening to the one rule they were given. The Orville with uh, Seth MacFarlane is a better Star Trek series than most of what we've gotten so far for Star Trek. Picard, freaking, oh my goodness. Oh my God, the freaking J.J. Abram films were so bad. The uh, Star Trek, I don't even remember what the hell, they, uh, I believe it's Discovery. I can't remember what they even called the new series. It, it's so, I'm so indifferent to it. And it's so forgettable that I'm, I just can't remember anything about it. Whereas with <laughs> Orville, you have, there's a scene where the second Farland's character is interacting with these two aliens. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I want to know more about you. And then they play this game of hot potato. So uh, what do we do? Because he's holding on to the hot potato. And this fucking spike comes out of his hand. And he's like, ah! And like, that's because their race is like super tough. So, you know, they're playing hot potato with this freaking sea urchin or whatever and now you have you know Seth MacFarlane having this freaking spike going through his arm you know it's his interaction with these aliens and trying to explore like how can we coexist now Star Trek did have some really good episodes and I still recommend checking out the original the the original series 
TNG is overrated, but I can respect it. Deep Space Nine, though, yeah, that's mm, that that is peak Star Trek right there. Enterprise, I haven't had a chance to watch. I'm told mixed things on it, but uh, it, it, it is what it is. So at its core, you're exploring different ideas and humanity with this technology. And mm. it could be super simple as what if we can clone? What if someone uh, teleports and now a fly got stuck on the teleporter and now we have this fly monster thing or so on and so forth? You know, science fiction is just exploring these ideas at its core. So question yeah. for you then. Super Sentai and Power Oh my Rangers. god, are you really going to do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know, is it science fiction or At science its fantasy? Core, it's more science fantasy than science fiction because the technology is just used to beat the big bad. You know what I mean? There's some mm -hmm. episodes where they explain some of the technology. I believe I'm more of a Power Rangers guy, so I don't know if Super Sentai goes really deep into how their weapons are made, but only uh, like two seasons of Power Rangers that I can recall literally have a Oh, here's us testing the new weapons we're making. Like, there's a scene in Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue where you will ha have the crew and the team walking through the facility, and you can literally see the different gear that they're going to use in future episodes being tested. Like, there's a gun that's like a, uh, fire, like a fire extinguisher. You know, they just point, it's like, and they use it, I believe, in the next episode or that episode. It's more about the fun monster of the week type deal because tokusatsu in itself is a genre of its own which i don't know if that's on uh yeah we'll yeah get we'll get to it. yeah that's that's on the yeah, show list yeah. at some point i don't know but... if that's on your list for this episode but i'll make that one of my honorary mentions right now i'll, I'll get into more tokusatsu later but right now hero what's your number two? Oh gosh what is my number two so i was uh going through my list here of all the different shows and stuff yeah. like that that i really really like and there's a common theme mm -hmm. among them all and that's kind of like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine kind of two genres, which is the sports series mm. and the death game series, and and we're gonna match call up. them matchup, okay. right? Matchup stories. Yep. So things like Gantz, like Alice in Borderland, like Squid Game, like any sports anime or manga that you've ever seen, that kind of thing. Matchup stories are, I think, paramount to a specific type of storytelling, namely that of conflict. Because I think it does the same thing where you were describing of like science fiction versus science fantasy. I think battle series are more like science fantasy and then matchup series are more like science fiction where it becomes more about like the characters and them overcoming a certain type of conflict within a certain within a specific mm -hmm. set of rules then in that being explored like what does a human do under these particular circumstances kaiji is famous for this right where it's like if if a man is forced into gambling his life away but has a specific set of values that are constantly challenged while he's doing that then like what does that look like right or in gantz in the in his specific situation what would a normal person do or a normal teenager specifically what would a normal teenager do or act like in a death game scenario specifically when you have moral quandaries like are we supposed to be killing these dissidents because they are just refugees from other planets and stuff like that you come to find out later and then they've just been nixing them off because they're technically illegal mm -hmm. aliens right and there's no authority to prevent them from from being killed 
So it's like a whole exploration into that kind of thing that I really, really like in these types of stories. Fate, the the Ufotable ones specifically, are also kind of in that vein. They're not as good as it at it, right? But they still introduce like interesting matchups, I think, right? Like what would how would a person armed with a sword fight a person with a bow? Right, but they're also both super powered and have crazy abilities and stuff like that. Oh, okay. But then also the person controlling these people has like some sort of moral compass that's unbreakable for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's just unbreakable and they got to work around that. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, interesting. So you, you get these kind of interesting matchups in these types of scenarios. Sports anime also does this really, really well. I think Hajime no Ippo is probably mm-hmm. the best at it, where it's like, Hajime no Yupo and I think Haikyuu do a really, really good job of presenting you with an opposition that you're willing to root for, right? Like, not everybody's a bad guy right. on the opposing side. So, that's, that's my <laughs> uh The, the <laughs> technology in the series is there to facilitate this game. Not necessarily you're exploring what the technology is, but you're there. It's there just to, so that way the story can happen. There's a, uh, another battle, like, because uh, there's like a there's an entire genre, like the whole battle royale thing, where you have what the Hunger Games, and then you have the original battle royale that everyone likes to ape on, which is just battle royale. I believe it's just called like that. <laughs> yes, it is literally called. I read the manga. The manga is fantastic, and there's like a, there's an idea behind that, which is the exploration on how and why the battle royale right. system exists. Uh, because the idea is like it's a bunch of rowdy middle school delinquents or whatever who are sent to this island to kill each other off in order to explain uh, to explore the worst of humanity and also teach a lesson to like the rest of the world like what happens if they misbehave right it's the same deal with uh the hunger games where they're like oh there was like a revolution once upon a time and now the capital does this hunger games thing in order to teach everybody why they shouldn't do it sometimes it's just well it's a battle royale that's why there's a series called Mirai Nikki and the entire game yeah yeah yeah. there's another one that I can just point out to and it's like oh well how does this game work it just does because there's a god overseeing it yeah and it's the same deal I though I like it a little bit better in like no game no life where the god is like he's bored and wants somebody to play with so he searches various universes that are controlled by other gods in order to find the best people who would be you know amazing at this game that's like just not working out on his world (laughs) you know because he's like he's like I don't like war, I don't like conflict, but I really like games. So we're gonna make everything follow a game logic in this war. Only problem is, nobody's playing the game to the best of their abilities, they're all using it to fuck each other over, and I just want somebody to, at least once, challenge God. So he used to go to other planets to find people who are like that, and Mm -hmm. then he gets them, and he convinces them to come over to his world uh, by playing them in a game of chess, and uh, I think they lose or something like that, but uh, they end up going over to his world which is the no game no life world and then they realize kind of like the higher purpose of this world with everybody's like race pieces and they need to collect all the race pieces by beating certain races and games getting them to collaborate and eventually challenge god because you always have to fight god if if it's a jrpg type world you're gonna fight a god eventually. Like, come on, that's that's the escalation. Yeah. Whether it's the main boss or the secret boss. Mm-hmm. And not even if it's a JRPG-type world, because, like, it happens in Ava, right? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> The entire premise <laughs> in Ava is to fight god. Oh, so, 
If it doesn't take place, if it takes place with any element of fantasy, it's going to be fighting God, right? Fully, fully fighting God, um, quite literally at the end of it. Akira fighting basically God. He gets really, really powerful in, in that movie. And yeah, he's basically in the God, and they have to fight him. Like, it's, it's fighting basically God. Oh, man. Uh, Maroka Magica fighting, becoming, and then fighting God again. Like, it's just... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> fighting God twice in Madoka Magica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, that's all fun and good. And I feel like I am going to kind of cheat a bit by using this as my genre because saying that this is a genre is kind of true kind of not it's a I, I don't even know if i can use the right word for it but my third genre is very broad and i'm gonna say it's the pulps now pulps are not the little pieces of orange that are in your drink i mean it is but that's not what i'm referring to what I'm referring to are the pulp novels that used to be sold back in the, ni- the early 19th century. Now, pulps evolved from the dime novel, which is th- right what it says on the tin right there, boys. You pay like a dime at that time, boom, you get a book. And it's entertainment. And it grew more and more into this entire medium. So you have these books that are on these newsstands, these magazines. And at the time, if you couldn't afford a radio, you would pick up a pulp novel. And these magazines would have, you know, different genres and different uh, stories. Like, uh, these magazines would have different stories of different genres entitling, you know, westerns, science fiction, adventure, detective stuff. So you have these characters that spun out from that, that ended up, you know, that are intrinsically tied to these pulps. Uh, some that I, some of my personal favorites that are in my collection. You have Robert E. Howard, Solomon Kane, who then ended up writing Conan the Barbarian immediately afterwards because Conan just exploded. The reason why he didn't go back and do more Solomon Kane was just Conan was doing so much. Conan was doing so much better that he's like, well, I might as well focus on the guy that I'm making money with right now. You have The Shadow by Walter B. Gibson. Uh, another creation by uh, Smith and West. Yeah, I believe it was Smith and West and Doc Savage, written by Lester Dent. You have Raymond Chandler, and his a lot of his books are these detectives or these very white knight-type characters. He basically, because of Raymond Chandler and all these detective stories, these pulps and these detective stories ended up evolving and becoming what we now know as film noir. So pulp as a whole, let me quickly just define what a pulp story is. Have you guys ever taken an SAT or needed to read something for class, and then you needed to answer the question, why was the curtains blue? Congratulations, you read a pulp. It's that simple. You know, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat anything. But my, my previous two recommendations, I was kind of like, oh, what, what is the yada yada at its core? And what's this? What's that? I got to explain what it is. Pulps are super simple. They are short stories. Make it about an adventurer. Make it about a pilot. Making it about a soldier. Make it about a detective. And put a cover on it. Boom, there you go. It's a pulp. Back in the day, they would be sold on newspaper stands. Nowadays, they're thrown on Amazon and given whatever. You know, they're uh, the Kindle Selects, or uh, what was it? The uh, Kindle Unlimited stories that you'd find for like two bucks. That's how they've uh, evolved. But you have these characters with an unyielding iron will with a perfectly defined moral code with classic stories about heroism. You know, Zorro, freaking this swashbuckling caped crusader. 
a combination of the Wild West and a swashbuckler, you know, someone close to the Three Musketeers. You have, here's a quote. This is why you're going to be reading pulps, and this is from Doc Savage. Now, if you'll excuse me for a bit. Let me strive every moment of my life to make myself better and better to the best of my ability that all may profit by it. Let me think of the right and lend my insistence to those who need it with no regard for anything but justice. Let me take what comes with a smile without loss of courage. Let me be considerate of my country to my fellow citizens and my associates in everything I say and do. Let me do right to all and wrong no man. This is classic heroism. Freaking jump into a burning building to save a kitty. These guys were right is right and wrong is wrong. There is no such thing as gray morality, which kind of annoys me to this day, where you have so much deconstruction in your media and everything else, and, you know, this gray morality. It's like, oh, well, he's doing this, he's doing that. And I always thought, well, these characters back in the 20s and 30s, they're the heroes. They're doing what's right. There is no gray morality. They just understand the consequences of their actions. Yeah, I mean, gray morality does exist. Like, that's that's all morality is, is gray morality. Uh, that's partly why it's, like, so kind of asinine and boring seeing it explored in media because uh, either they don't do it well or they do it so well that it's indistinguishable from like real life and just it, it makes you disassociate from the property right the idea that like well i could have you know i could have made this choice in that situation but the character doesn't and that's deemed as wrong and i don't want to be wrong so now i'm just not into it right mm-hmm. but uh the idea of like the the gray morality is that no matter the choices you make in the story, it's the motivations that kind of like the motivations and the culture that you exist in that deem what's right and wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like the guys in the pulp fictions that you're describing is like right is right. Wrong is wrong is because they come from a very like American standpoint. Um, but in something like a, a different kind of culture, such as like a, an African culture or a, a, a Eastern Asian culture or something like that, some of the actions that they've taken might not have been justifiable because they would have created more problems than they solved. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. But the. A lot of stories now tend to focus more on, you know, open up a comic book now and you get more of a uh, a lecture or a sob story or, you know, yeah. the guy weeping uh-huh. about his inadequacies and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a story in which Solomon Cain joins up with this African tribe. And it's actually a really cool story. Solomon Cain, he ends up... So it is kind of like a fantasy type deal, but it's only 90% or it's only 10% fantasy. Some of the creatures that he fights are kind of outrageous, but they're still kind of grounded. So a bit of a spoiler for it, but a titled Wings in the Night. So he ends up fight, uh, going to this like African tribe and, you know, they're sacrificing people to this like monster. And it turns out it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur that somehow evolved and survived all these years. So now Solomon Kane fights uh, 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 a mutated pterodactyl kind of looking thing because I'm looking at the uh, illustrations in the uh, in the collection that I believe should still be available. It's called the Savage Tales of Solomon Kane, which is everything. If you ever, if you want, if you're one of those people that need to like like me, where you want to have everything on the character, boom. The Howard Estate made sure to print it. It should still be available by the time this goes up. So uh, check it out. Everything. Every single Solomon Kane story written by Robert E. Howard is available in that book. The Savage Tales of Solomon Kane. Not sponsored or anything. I just really want you guys to check him out. You know, he's a Quaker-like Puritan who's going around fighting evil. He is... Here's a quote 
that really, here's a quote that really gets to the core of his character. These things be deeds of some power of evil. The Lord of darkness hath laid a curse upon this country. A strong man is needed to combat Satan and his might. Therefore I go, who hath defied him a many time. Mm, that's good. However you define it, he is a hero. This man is going out there and fighting evil, not because of some promise or some vow to a god or some upbringing. He's Solomon Cain. Evil is evil and right is right. And he goes out there to vanquishes it. He doesn't need a reason. I believe it's called... Uh, actually, let me get the book right now. I can find the name of the story real quick. Give me 10 seconds. Sorry about that. Also, uh, uh, shout out to Julius de Grandin. He's a uh, occult detective. So uh, I, I picked up the complete collection of that. I was able to... Uh, another really cool pulp character that I really want to check out. So you have... The story is called... Red Shadows, where Solomon Kane is walking and he finds this woman who's, you know, on, you know, that's dying in the middle of the road. And he sees her and he's like, you know, what's going on? And it's like bandits. And, you know, she dies. And I'm not going to butcher the prose because it's very, very well written. And he ends up basically, you know, closing her eyes, wiping his hand mechanically on his coat. And he doesn't make a promise to a god. He doesn't do anything like that. All he says is, after he, you know, puts this girl to rest, is men will die for this. Hmm. I think I've heard that somewhere else before as well. Really? It, it might have been you telling me about it or something like that, mm -hmm. but it sounds kind of familiar. Right. These classic... There's a, There are times where he's actually questioning his own, uh, you know, if he's doing the right thing or not, you know? There's a story later that I remember reading where he ends up questioning. It's like, am I doing the right thing? Like, am I even making a difference? Am I, is my journey truly just, he thinks about it for a little bit, but he's like, why am I thinking this? Of course it is. I was uh, going to say earlier when you were reading that quote from the other one yeah. about the whole, what was it? The, the Satan one. Oh, right here. I'll pop, uh, copy paste right here for you. Give me a quick sec. There we go. Control C. Hopefully this actually comes out correctly because some, you know, control C, control V on Discord uh doesn't really work out the way. Never mind. It usually doesn't work out the you way can I think control it does. Shift there we go. as well. Oh, here it is. Yeah. yeah. These things be the deeds of some power of evil. The Lord's darkness hath laid a curse upon this country. A strong man is needed to combat Satan in his might. Therefore I go, who hath defied him many a time. So that quote uh, actually inspired me a little bit for some of the motivations. So like uh, for my manga on Hallowed, you know, like the angels right. and demons and stuff like that. The angels have always been kind of difficult for me to sort of figure out the motivations behind because I spent most of my time thinking about the demons and like what their position is and their morals and stuff like that. And then the angels are supposed to be opposite of those. And if the demons are subjectively good, you know, because they're like, oh, they're oppressed and rebellion and blah, 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 blah. The angels are supposed to be opposite of that, but I don't want them to be bad. I just want them to, like, have a different set of morals that are in opposition to the demons, and then the humans are just kind of caught in the middle, right? So this gives me a little bit of an idea of what the angels might think like, right? There's, like, good is good, bad is bad situation. And the, the motivations are, like, the demons are doing things that disrupt the balance of nature so to speak and the angels mm -hmm. are trying to protect the balance of nature because it's like better for everybody or something like that i don't know i'll figure it out at some point but that was that was 
cool quote that I was like, man, I could see like some of my angel characters saying that or thinking that as they go go into battle. Interesting thing in the Bible, Satan, I believe, translates to as something akin to an antagonist or someone who impedes. So he, I believe, because I remember doing a deep dive for more, like, because I want, because it's really interesting how a lot of, uh, sorry, excuse for the, excuse me for the tangent, guys, but it'll be super quick. A lot of JP media really does a lot of Christian iconography and Christian themes really well without coming off as i don't know how else to word this but cringe you know mm-hmm. a lot of times whenever you are see christians or christian media they're really trying to push yeah, you a into narrative they're trying to sell you on yeah, yeah yeah they're trying to really push you into like you know being christian or why christianity is good and everything else which is completely fine it's just the way it's done is usually kind of cammy and done in a way where the story is more serving a different purpose than trying to entertain or you know tell the story or like uh, give a moral and stuff like there's a um there's even to the point where there are christian films they're not rated with stars they're rated with doves so any movie you see that's rated using doves it's a christian film i remember my biological father he had shown us a movie about this like surfer guy and what ends up happening is he loses his friend and then, you know, he's questioning everything. And what ends up happening is, you know, um, the gr- you know the girl that he hooks up with in the movie, it's like, well, you know, I don't blame God because if it weren't for this, then we wouldn't have met. And, you know, the way the story is kind of presented is, so you're telling me your dad and my best friend needed to die in order for us to hook up. That's God's will? And, like, I'm just sitting on the sidelines, you know, watching this. I'm like, wait, that's the mentality? What? Yeah, you could, like, in any other story... That wouldn't have been made a point, and it could have been, oh, you know, we've been... Yeah, you know, it would have been, like, us... despite these atrocities and whatever, we've yeah. up. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like, you know, all this other stuff is whatever, and it's like, well, the moment... Because obviously, you know, it's the, it's written in a way where it's like, oh, you know, God has a plan for everyone, and, you know, it, he does, and so on and so forth, but the way it was done in the movie is kind of, like, iffy, that kind of affected the story. That kind of, it, it was jarring to me as soon as I heard that because I'm like, wait, hold up. Yeah, I went uh, on. Uh, I went to. I used to have this crush on a girl way back in like middle school, mm-hmm. right? Super cute. Yeah. She still is super cute, but she's also like really, really awkward. Anyway, uh, she used to belong to this like super, super Christian family. She has some problems with now because they're like you know the hardcore Bible thumper. Every part of our life right. needs to be Christian kind of situation. And she was adopted ah, okay. from that family. So she's not originally from that family. And uh, we, mm-hmm. she invited me out to this movie once to, to kind of see with all of them. And I had no idea because I'd never heard of this movie before. But she was like, oh, it's about this surfer girl. And uh, I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, and I liked her, so I wanted to go. So I went. And it was, right. it was this Christian movie about the surfer girl who ends up getting into a shark accident and loses her arm and then has to deal with that at, like, a spiritual level. And Amanda Bynes was in it for some reason. Wait, hold up. I think I know about this movie. Wait, that was a Christian movie? I think we're talking about the same movie. Oh, hold on. Surfer girl loses arm. That was a Christian movie? Soul Surfer. Oh, That's no. what it was. It was called Soul yeah, Surfer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez, oh my I god. I did not been, know oh my... it's a Christian movie. It's in the title. Soul. <laughs> I thought that was just the 
I, I thought, but I thought was it was really oh weird because God. like this girl's going through this kind of like emotional journey or whatever and she needs to go to the support group and instead of her being like having any issue with the support group or anything like that and like for whatever reason Amanda Bynes is like the the mentor of the group so she goes and then mm. the mentor says some mumbo jumbo bullshit stuff and then she's like huh that makes sense and then her life is like immediately better I'm like um hmm I just really didn't like the way that uh, the movie necessarily framed tragedy. I get it's based on like a real right. story or whatever, but yeah. it was just, it was really, it, it felt like, okay, this is like kind of a common problem that I have, which is Christianity or Christians in general, not Christianity, Christians in general, yeah, yeah. is they try to make their problems other people's problems, right? Um, Admittedly, it's a bit of a negative stereotype, but there's a reason why, you know, people kind of, get a little iffy around you know quote unquote christian family and so on. but but what do we obviously you know punching bag out it's more very radical uh practice uh ready uh very radical people practicing a certain religion you know it, it's everywhere you know mm -hmm. it's not necessarily just christians it's just you know a very negative stigma that a lot of people have where it's oh these people are super religious mm -hmm. and depending if you and depending on how many people you've interacted with me saying they're religious can you know make or break you know, the friendship or your interactions with certain people just because, you know, hearing someone say, oh, you know, this individual is super religious. You already know. If you've been around those people, you immediately know, okay, gotta pull myself back a bit and be yeah, a little try not to careful be what I say and too do. much, you know, or right, whatever. Right. It's like dealing with a cop. Anyway, so the, the issue that I had with this story and other Christian movies and stuff like that, like I said, is like, is because they're making their problem somebody else's problem. So this girl has an emotional turmoil mm -hmm. going on that's caused by a physical problem that she herself can solve, um, so to speak. Yeah, she had something bad done to her. She's trying to deal with it. it, it it's a certain amount of trauma and stuff like that. And instead of trying to find a solution within herself... She's trying to find a solution within everything else, right? Like, how how can I live my life so that I can see everything else as, like, a benefit to me? Uh, as opposed to, how can I be okay with this thing that happened to me, right? And, and this is mm -hmm. a common theme in a lot of, like, Christian media specifically. Not every Christian media thing. Some of them are, like, really good and stuff like that. But a lot of them is like, oh, this is part of God's plan. I had nothing to do with this. This isn't about me. I'm removed from the situation. I have no control. And that kind of thing. I'm just along for the ride, so to speak. And I really don't like that mentality because it removes you from the responsibility of your own actions. and It removes his agency. Yeah. And so, like... If in this situation, this girl had lost her arm and she decided to snap on somebody at any point, she couldn't be blamed for it because that's part of God's plan, right? It's like, all right, well, yeah, no, man. because she's responsible for her own actions. She's responsible for how she feels about certain things in certain situations. She's responsible for who she treats and why. It's like the same idea behind people who are having a bad day and decide to make it other people's problems, mm -hmm. right? Who who uh, lash out and whatever. Like, look, man, I just came in and asked if you were okay because I'm a concerned person. There's no reason for you to lash out at me. I haven't done anything. I'm not the root of your problem. I'm not the reason you feel the reason you feel that way. So, you know, there's no reason you should be punishing me for trying to, you know, care or like, even if I, even if that wasn't the scenario, even if I said, hey man, what's up? And you're like, I'm a girl and then lash out, like, look, okay. Like, take a yeah, step back. I know what you mean. You know, take responsibility for yourself. Uh, but that, that's just my own personal problem. Is like the the removal eh. of agency, the removal of responsibility, and placing that on a greater universe context. Funny enough, that's kind of a perception people have. But I was raised Christian mm. growing up. My 
I wasn't baptized, but most of my family mm. is. But thing is, it it's actually it showed up a couple times in other media too. There's a uh, I believe it was Evan Almighty where they had a uh, Morgan for yeah. yeah both Evan and yeah I, I forget what the other I don't uh, remember uh, what was it uh. Br- Thank you. Bruce Almighty and Evan Almighty you have Morgan Freeman as God. In Evan Almighty, there was a really good scene where Morgan Freeman actually explained how God actually does give you agency. It's just, it's in a lot of these media, it just, unfortunately, is painted in the wrong direction. What actually happens is God gives you the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z, mm. right? This is, oh, does God make you strong or does God give you the opportunity for you yourself to make yourself strong? If you pray to God to have more time for your family, he gives you the opportunity for you to make more time for your family. Like that's the idea is like he is giving you the agency. It's just a lot of times there's this lost in translation thing the, to get to snap it all right back to the original point. Originally, I believe Satan is a servant of God to help challenge your protagonist, to challenge the person that he's uh, testing right. right now. So let's say someone is, you know, I need you to do this to prove that you're innocent or I need you to do this to change you as a person. Like, oh, you know, I'm struggling with whatever in my life right now. And then God gives you the opportunity. God gives this character the opportunity to improve or, you know, complete his quest. Now, life isn't always easy. So he sends Satan this up, not this. I don't recall what his name actually translates to. It's been a long time since I've seen this video, like discussing the topic. I think his name translates to adversary. Something, yeah, that, something like that. I apologize. It's been so. It's a topic that I really want to get back into, but I, unfortunately, I haven't really needed to cover angels. Yeah, we've like both been so out of the Christianity circle for a long time. For context, <laughs> yeah, I've also been raised Christian, and my mother is the type of person who uses the idea of God to mask over her own decisions and responsibilities. Right. So, like, that's partly why I have that opinion, and also because it's like perpetuated by specific media and stuff like that. So right. it, it's like, I came from my, the bad side. <laughs> my, my father is, my, my biological father is uh, one of the Knights of Columbus. So uh, yeah, no, I, to, to bring it all back, the Satan is uh, an adversary that you have to overcome. He's not necessarily a bad person. Lucifer is the devil, but Satan is not. Like it, it's this uh, odd mixture because there's a different, you know, there's the Old Testament, New Testament, all these other books. And so on and so forth. So if you're not really in the know, you know, and you only really get this information through osmosis, it, a lot of things get mixed up. But that's something interesting that you can point out. You know, angels are only doing their task. You know, it goes back to the conversation we had earlier with uh, in a previous episode with how there's lawful characters and there are those who are chaotic. Mm. You know, demons are chaotic in nature, but they only seek to change the status quo because an example for this is like, oh, well, demons are oppressed. Mm. Well, they're chaotic in that story. Because they seek to change the status quo that is not what they're dealing with right now. Oh, well, we're being oppressed. All right, well, we're going to be chaotic and change it. We're going to be free. We're going to make things fit our status quo. Right, which is kind of the, the initiating motivation of my story, right? Um, unhallowed for anybody who doesn't know. I'm writing a manga about like, right. angels and demons and stuff. Anyways, yeah, so they're, they're like... The idea that they're being oppressed and wrongfully blamed for all of these evil acts, even though they never really did anything wrong, is just like a, a they didn't align with God's moral compass and were policed into hell, so to speak. And now right. they're trying to break out. Um, and in order to do that, they need a general who's familiar with war and who will stand against them, um, who's also a man so they can get humanity on their side. Blah, blah, blah. it's a whole thing. Right. And right. then the the 
the angels are, are trying to keep the status quo, like you were saying. They're trying to, to protect it and operate on a lawful nature. Uh, it's really interesting that you, you mentioned that like one side is lawful and the other side is chaotic because this was entirely unintentional, but my main character is extremely chaotic. That's like his whole premise. People hate him for it because yeah, the idea was like, what if Naruto existed in like real life? You'd fucking hate the dude. Mm -hmm. He'd be so annoying all the time, interrupting shit, fucking fighting everybody. It's he's the worst. <laughs> he's mm -hmm. like, and he's always spouting off some bullshit. Nobody cares if he can become the Hokage or whatever. Like he's just. I just came to school to learn a lesson and then go home and live my life. And now I got to deal with you. Like <laughs> that's the kind of person that he is. And then uh, his mm -hmm. best friend who is, like, inspired by that kind of attitude, but likes to take a more lawful, like, a lawful position on it, uh, ends up eventually becoming the the angel person who's supposed to, like, oppose him. Uh, the, you know, the, the adversary, so to speak, to his... Right. Uh, he ends up becoming the Satan of this story. More or less, but, like, on behalf of the angels as right. opposed to on behalf of hell. Well, no, that, that goes back to my thing, though, too. Like, Satan, the adversary is specifically sent from God. So Satan himself mm. is actually an angel. He's a lawful character. That's right, the thing. exactly. So what ends up, it's interesting too. It's so, SMT, I have a problem with how they do law and chaos because their idea of, you know, law and chaos is kind of, and like not at its, it's not at the true core of it. They kind of fumble it around and stuff. It's more about, I don't even want to get into it. It's such a mess. Even there, Satan is on the, I believe they even separated it to where you have Lucifer and Satan as two different characters, mm. like two different demons. And then you have a, right. a, a, another angel called Hail Hail or something. I, I can't recall. It's been a while since I played because the like I said before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So SMT has been the same freaking game since the first game. Slight changes. So it, it's such a it, I, I like the idea of it. I just wish they didn't go in the direction they did with the law and chaos system. But the, you can make it so where the angels are technically the bad guys, but they're just doing... It's one of those things where they're just doing their job. You know, this is the task they're assigned. I don't want to hurt you, but this is my job to make sure that you don't hurt anyone else and that you keep in line. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't have to really keep it be like, oh, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. You can keep this this law and or this law and chaos theme <laughs> because... That's, that's the Bible's just law and order. Yeah, 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 law and chaos and stuff, you know, because it, it's basically... Um, it goes back to where, you know, there are good people that may do evil things, but then there are very evil people that can do good things. You know, it's a spectrum. Right. So you can theoretically, you know, it's really cool how you're going to do it. I actually look forward to seeing how you go with Unhallowed. I'm, I believe I, I name dropped the title for um, the, the short story that I'm working on, but I'm settling on the peculiar tales of Ikit Crane. Mm. You so, sent that to me too. I haven't had a chance to look at it. Oh, no, no, that's yet. fine. I'm going through and making sure that it's done a little better because that, that was the only thing that I needed that I added that was different from when I first talked about uh, having the character document finished was I added alignment to really, so that way I can remind myself, okay, this character is this alignment. So Ikit herself is chaotic neutral to really fit with her character. So, and I've been giving alignments to the other characters that I have just to make sure that I can really push and really keep them there i mean obviously being a uh, your alignment it, it's a spectrum you know some like i said before some days you're chaotic neutral sometimes you're going to be neutral true neutral sometimes you're going to be mm -hmm. lawful but you're it's a spectrum you know you can move from that one little square that you got stuck you mm -hmm. know it, the the D, D D alignment is handy 
but it's still mostly you're mostly here. Yeah, I prefer using the um, the, uh, the the JoJo Bizarre Adventure. What's his name? Hero Hero Pico Araki. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer using like his character sheet alignment stats because he has the things that the character would stand for, or the character won't stand for, and the character that the, the or the things that the character. Uh, believes in mm-hmm. right what they believe in and what they won't stand for so to right. speak um, and i think that does a much better job of aligning the specific character than a character alignment chart would be right because how the character or how the character deals with specific problems aligns specifically with both what they believe in and what they're against right and so like if a character believes in uh, truth and justice and they way. won't stand for, yeah, truth, justice in the American way, but they won't stand for bullies, right? School bullies. Uh, then they're going to go full military on, like, on just like a kid in their classroom who's being a little bit of an asshole. Like, but that's like a very unique specific situation that wouldn't necessarily align in like a, you know, like a chaotic good or chaotic neutral kind of alignment chart. Right. right? Or even lawful. That's like lawful to the extreme, so much so that it's chaotic. Like it doesn't make any sense. I think uh, that's my list here. Do I didn't have do my list? third. You have your third. I didn't do my. No, third. that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I wanted to make sure. Do you have your third? <laughs> yeah. So uh, my third. I was actually thinking about this while we were talking about mm-hmm. it. I think I'm going to um, dedicate it to transformative media, mm-hmm. specifically fan generated content and stuff like this. Now, in my head, I'm thinking because I had this conversation last week with somebody. We were talking about. AMVs specifically, right? And AMV culture has kind of died out in the last couple of years. There aren't a lot of really good AMVs being made since like 2015. But between 2010 and 2015 was like the heyday of AMV content years. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I recommend AMD AMVs is because historically they've always been a fantastic kind of breeding ground for recommendations, right? If somebody's making an AMV about a specific uh, show, they like that show, they're recommending you that show, and you can go check it out in like when they credit it and stuff like that. Is also a good recommendation for music. And then you also get that kind of like in anime openings, right? So anime openings that are treated like music videos, in my opinion, are better than the ones that are treated like advertisements because they're better, not necessarily at selling you the show, which depending on what the show is, is its initial purpose is to sell you on the show. But if they sell you on the vibe, I personally find that like way more important than selling you on the specific show so like if i'm tuning into naruto and i'm listening to fighting dreamers right before i go into watching naruto learn how to do the fucking rasengan bro it's yes it's so good or the haruka kanata the one right before that Uh, haruka kanata and you go into rock lee versus gara like oh (laughs) like that's that's a winner bro like oh i'm so pumped to watch some kid kick another kid's ass child violence is amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's so good uh but like Uh, that's what i mean it's like it's a music video kind of setting to sell you on the vibe of a show mm -hmm. there are a couple of amvs that i really really like um that kind of do this well salvation of kiritsugu is kind of my go-to quote-unquote ad for the fate zero series because it does a really good idea a uh, really good kind of thing of illustrating Kiritsugu's, the character of Kiritsugu's kind of like journey through the story without being too spoilery, right? Where he's got this kind of like good and evil kind of lesser, of, or the lesser of two evils kind of moral, moral dilemma kind of going on throughout the whole thing. But it's also set to the tone of Lord singing um, 
Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which was from taken from the Hunger Games, like the Hunger Games version of that song. Right. And it's done in this kind of like mix AMV kind of trailer scenario editing style where like dialogue comes through and sound effects and stuff like that. And it does this rising tension where it starts out by setting the mood as like really kind of dark and brooding and moody and then building it up to this like high crescendo of action and intensity and drama. And uh, it really, it does like anybody I sell, I try to sell Fate Zero to, I show them Mm -hmm. that first and they're like, all right, I'm gonna sign up. And then they go and watch it and it's fantastic because they get exactly what they expect. But then you also have like, on the other end of the spectrum of other AMVs is the ones that are kind of like original or create their own unique story. Like what if anime characters went to a talent show? Right. You got anime's got talent, which takes like all the goofy parts of a bunch of different anime that make them like really interesting and engaging for the fans. And then puts them in this kind of unique scenario where they're interacting with each other. And that also creates like a unique kind of vibe allows you to create kind of like additional content for shows that you already love or discover content for shows that you haven't ever heard before because they're like oh these two characters are together if i like this one character this other character might be similar because they're acting that way on stage so i'm gonna right. go check out their show and then you do and then it's good right it's like another <laughs> cross cross pollinization thing going on and then on the other flip side you have uh kiora's what's that one amv the one with Shinji, he becomes a school shooter. Oh my god, I... <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I don't. Oh, jeez, that's crazy. Uh, AMV... Just to interject while you look that up real quick. The best yeah. scene in Fate Zero is the meeting of kings where they tell her, bruh, that's dumb. You have a dumb wish. Don't, you, yes. you, you're being dumb. <laughs> like The only time in the whole franchise where freaking Saber is not put on a freaking pedestal. And I'm happy. Fucking hate Saber face. God damn. And finally, someone's like, dude, you're the reason why. Or, I don't believe they flat out said it, but there's like, well, even if you revive it, you're the reason why it fell in the first place. So ev- even if you get your wish granted, your dumbass is going to make it fall again. I'd rather have my kingdom fall, but at least it was because of my decision. You don't accept the consequences of your actions, which she's the reason why it fell. Ugh. Yeah, she's like constantly living in regret. And they're like, dude, learn your fucking lesson. Like, please, just... Just think about it for two seconds. What's worse? It it's called uh, Chill Out by Quakwa. Okay. And this one is, it's essentially an AMV that takes like the premise of Ava, but mm-hmm. if Shinji didn't get into the Ava and said, got a handgun. Like, that's, uh, boy. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. I don't know if that's going to trigger the explicit thing on the on the podcast or not, so I'm going to have to like, what are we going to do? There's also Phoenix Wright's Smooth Criminal, which does like a whole like storyline in Phoenix Wright to the Smooth Criminal song by Michael Jackson. Oh, that's fantastic. great. But yeah, a lot of AMVs, really, really good. Highly recommend that as like a transformative media to get into. Just watching AMVs for good music, good anime recommendations. You also have like a fan-generated content. Like Homestuck has amazing fan-generated content. Right. Homestuck itself is a is a fantastic story with like some ups and some downs, but I think overall it's really good, even if it is kind of hard to get into and hard to stay with. But there there is a, uh, a vocalized version of it, like people voice acted a good chunk of the story. I think two thirds of it at this point. Oh wow! And uh, it's been taking them several years to kind of get through it. So, uh, but it is very interesting, very good. But yeah, transformative media, check it out. Dude, so that's that's my third. On because my of you, I have this one AMV of Heroes Comeback in my head right now, or uh, yes. or Bluebird. Now I, I know th- those two songs are pretty like overused in. Uh, well, not only that, but they're directly from Naruto. Yeah, like they're, they're they're one of the more popular ones. So anytime I bring up like, oh, what's your uh, some of your favorite OPs, 
And I was like, all right, so I got to throw in Heroes Comeback or Bluebird. And, the, you know, I kind of scoffed. I was like, ugh. I'm like, come on, man. They're good songs. Don't don't give me that. Like, uh, basic for sure. But, hey, what was it? The I think it's the ending song, Spiral, I think it is. The 16th uh, Shippuden ending, I believe. Then there's the act. I think there's the opening to Nin- hmm. Ultimate Ninja Storm 3. No, you're not talking about AMVs. You're talking about openings and endings. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't, like people use those songs in them. And that's how I end up hearing them. That's the first mm-hmm. time I heard them. Because obviously we got the we get the dub way later than the sub. I didn't watch Naruto sub until much later, so those are the first times I heard those songs. Like I, I don't even think uh, we were lucky we got the the JP songs when we got the dub in English. Because sometimes we get like a English uh, original song for some anime, which I kind of yeah. miss. We but... did, yeah. I also miss or like English covers of the yeah, Japanese song, right? Like that, I think I miss more. So like, what, like I had a whole issue with the revival of like Digimon, mm-hmm. right? And they were bringing it back with all like all the original settings and blah blah blah. And then they're like, "Hey, we got the original opening again." And I'm like, "Yeah, boy, let's go the original Digimon opening. Let's go." And then they play Butterfly, and I'm like, "I've never heard of this in my entire fucking life." Like it doesn't make sense. And they're treating it like, oh, remember this, you guys? The nostalgia or whatever. I'm like, like no. all my friends are like, all my foreign friends are like, yeah, a butterfly. I'm like, I've never heard of this. I was waiting for the Digimon rap. Like, Digimon, Digimon, Digital Monsters, the champions. Change into digital monsters too. The, the, the digital digital world. it's so dumb <laughs> oh, it's so good but I, um that one and then like you know the the original naruto opening um we will raw yeah oh uh, i thought we got a different uh oh was that a that was an original one too right because i remember uh, the the original american opening for naruto which is better than the german one if you've ever heard the german naruto one. <laughs> naruto Sakura is beautiful. But the American one was like that hardcore. It was like much closer to the tune of the second opening, which I'm happy right. that we get all the originals from second onward in Naruto. Yeah. And then I'm fine with the replacement of the original, the first original, because I, I listened to the first original. It's chill. Um, it's not. It's okay, I... but it's not the vibe that I was expecting. And yeah, it doesn't I... match any of the rest of the show, and it's very <laughs> removed. So I'm like, thank it's you another, for replacing it. It's another song that I only heard in AMB for the longest time because I didn't know where that song belonged to. I knew it was uh, a Naruto AMBs song. AMBs from the first Naruto opening. Yeah, it's wow. so it's a very chill vibe. Yeah, so it's really that's the first time I heard it. But I mean, if you uh, another thing that you can throw in there is any of the Vocaloid songs because a lot of them just have accompanying AMBs with them. Mm. Like, personally, one of my favorites to listen to is uh, Gimme Gimme with Miku and I believe Len. Or no, with Wet, uh, with Ren. And it's a pretty catchy song, and there's usually an accompanying music video to go along with it. It's really cool. But well, specifically... Okay, thank you. Cause sometimes I get them mixed up. It's like, which one is... Uh, which one, which, which one is green. which? Okay. <laughs> Len's the guy. <laughs> okay. Because uh, obviously you could tell... Uh, you could tell how much I listen to freaking Vocaloid. But a lot of times, would you be able to throw in MMDs with that as well? I know AMV is a very yeah, specific well, thing. MMDs do qualify as like transformative or fan-generated mm-hmm. content, right? Right. And I think like, I, I, maybe I should say specifically earned media, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something I would love to describe to Japanese businessmen and politicians 
Oh it's boy! Like why earned? What earned media is, and why it's good for business. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they like subconsciously understand. They're like, yes, uh, some earned media is good for business, but if we can't profit off of it, then what's the point? Well, it's because you're profiting off of it in free advertising, right? Like that's right. the idea. It's like when people are fans of your work, it makes transformative, but not derivative or you know whatever versions of the work, things that aren't competitive to the work, then it's transformative and it gets more people interested you know because like if they weren't necessarily interested in the initial premise they might be with the transformative media introducing them to the original concept and then they're like oh it's more of like a bring over type thing and then also the idea of like uh, adhering to a global market right like going worldwide with their content as opposed to just like focusing in japan which i think is like it's really narrow as a mindset i feel like every other country on the planet is playing on a world stage and then japan's over here like i don't give a shit about anybody but japan mm. like oh i guess like but you could though <laughs> you very realistically could you can make so much more money you could get a lot more inspiration for your stories you could hire more people you wouldn't be facing some of these population crises and whatever that you're facing now if you were just just figure it out you know, open up your doors a little bit. Look out the fucking window. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, I uh, freaking to this day, Toei is still taking down and copywriting people just talking about Sentai or writer. And Dragon Ball, they're doing yeah, Dragon Ball too. yeah. That oh, I forget that there was that drama for that one really big Dragon Ball YouTuber that just got taken. That got yeah, taken totally down. not Mark who gets fucking yeah, yeah a million whatever. Tiabu recently got that as well, which freaked him out, and so now he doesn't do the same. Or he does similar content to what he's been mm -hmm. doing, but he doesn't provide all the same amenities. But the idea is like he had like thirty seven strikes put on his YouTube channel, and he was like, I I am willing to fight them in court because I'd have a very strong case against it. But yeah. there's one element of it that I'm not 100% sure on, so now I'm just going to stop doing that one element. I'm like, no, you're making it so much less convenient to watch you on YouTube. Yeah, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, how's your week been, Hero? So we can uh, <laughs> get out the wrap. Let's give the... We covered a... We got a solid list of the stuff that we got so far, unless you have one more. Nope, that was it. Transformative okay. media, adventure, uh, fantasy adventure, storytelling, mm -hmm. and then my second one was uh, matchup content. And specifically character exploring matchup content. Right. right. For myself, we got Yashike, science fiction, or sci-fi, and pulps. Warm-blooded American pulps. <laughs> oh, man. No body uh, I want, like, that's the thing, though. Like, I wanted to use pulps, but then... Like If I threw in Bon Dissine, then it's like, oh, well, my favorite genre is manga, right? Like, Bon Dissine... Like, pulps is very wide but it, it it's also that's why i was saying i'm cheating you know it's, i wanted it's to, not, you're being a little more specific than broad yeah i wanted to but then you know i, I threw in uh, solomon kane all these other characters so i guess i can add a little amendment to that and say it's a uh, action adventure for the mm. pulps if uh if you know you're saying pulps is a little too broad the action adventure type deal with with heroism and these uh, very morally stand individuals mm. So we'll go with that. How's your week been? Just so we can uh, ch -ch 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 see how things have been going. My week's been tough, my dude. Very, very, oh, very shit. tough. Yeah, I've been. I have three jobs now. Just if oh, I for fuck's sake, dude. Yeah, property management. Uh, I am a manga assistant now for a series that's on a uh, Kamiko, which is a Japanese like webtoon alternative. Um, and then I uh, am working in anime, so I'm doing a bunch of idol content 
uh, which I've talked about previously in previous episodes and stuff like that, right. but that's still going on. And we're uh, like my deadlines for my manga and my anime stuff are coming at the same time as they're upping my hours at my property management job because I've needed them to up my hours for months now and now they're finally doing it but they're doing it at the same time all my deadlines are coming so it's like <laughs> I'm out of like literally there are days where I sit down on the couch in my theater to just take a break I pass out and I wake up 10 hours later <laughs> like I didn't even make it to my bed or anything like that I just sit down and I'm out and then I wake oh, up and then I have to go to work and I spend all day at work and then I come home and then I spend all day working at home and I have to fight for like an hour or two just to play like a video game or something like that to to kind of break the rhythm of just constantly working all the time so that I don't burn out because I did get pretty close last week to burning out. But this ah, week, geez. I'm I'm feeling a lot better. I've got my schedule in a lot closer working order. I do have to work like later tonight. I've got a script meeting with Gort later. Mm -hmm. um for something that we're writing together and then after that i am finishing manga pages and specifically working on the second stage of the anime stuff which luckily isn't too much of a task i only have to clean up some of the frames that already exist mm -hmm. and then make the sections i have five sections but they're all less than a second they're all 18 frames long and frame like it's 24 frames a second so they're all less than a second but it's uh a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of really cool character stuff. So I just have to clean up two of them and then turn them in by Tuesday. And then I have school starting on Tuesday. Oh, boy. So it's like, oh, it's a lot. Or no, I have school starting on Wednesday, not Tuesday. But either way, it's a lot yeah. that I'm dealing with right now. But I'm excited and I've been wanting to get back into working on my manga. But that doesn't look like it's going to be available for probably a couple of months now. But if I do get free time to kind of like work on it here and there, or at least think about the story a little bit, um, make some notes like like today when I was said I was inspired mm -hmm. by that uh, that kind of uh, the quote in how the characters should think or act or whatever like that. I might write that down right. in my notes later and then use that when I get to it. But uh, what about you? What are you up to? Uh, my week's just been uh, like a lot of. <laughs> A lot of my like uh, death of from death of a thousand cuts, you know, just a lot of very annoying little things that just add up all the time. There's a, yeah, I go from like oh on Tuesday I like do a lot of running around in different shops because uh, it's there's only two of us on second shift and we're managing six different plants, so kind of hard to do uh, when there's two of us and there's a major project that needs to be done. So what ends up happening is uh, I get called across the street for something, and they're like, oh yeah, no, this machine's not working right now. I'm like, well, what's wrong with it? So I, I test it, and there's electricity going to it. And I didn't see the panel at first. Like, there's the operation panel. I'm thinking, well, okay, the operator clearly knows how to operate the machine, right? So I made an assumption. I tested the power. There's power. I tested the fuses. It, they're good. I test every. I test the entire line thinking, why isn't it turning on? So then I go all the way to the operator panel, and then I see, all right, well, for some reason, it's not working. So... Let's do the obvious thing. Let's pull out the emergency stop. And maybe someone accidentally pushed it. No, that's not it. The emergency stop's already pushed out. And then I see a nifty little switch. Now, uh, to the viewers at home, or the viewers at home, to the listeners, if you guys know what a drill press is, basically we have a different type of uh, drill press there. So what ends up happening, or uh, we have this drill press. So what they did was they changed out the chuck for a little uh, piece that you could put in a brush. And that brush, they turned that drill press into like a buffing station for the parts. 
Now, here's the thing. When you push start, you probably shouldn't have the switch on stop. You should have the little switch be either on forward or reverse. Because if you push start, when it's on stop, it's not going to move. So I call over the uh, manager. I'm like, y- y- do you guys do you guys know how to operate this thing? He's like, yeah, why? Because it's on stop. That's why it's not turning on. It's like, hmm? And then I literally turn the switch to forward, and the brush is going in one direction. And then I put it on reverse, and the brush starts going in the other direction. And I ask him, is that what you needed? It's like, yep, that's what we needed. It's like, sweet. You push the start doesn't... You only push start when you need to reset it. Because when you turn off the machine, you just put it on stop and then power it down. You don't need to freaking push the emergency stuff and all this other stuff. And it was just super annoying. And then uh, I go and they have a box maker. And the women, the, the woman over there is like, oh, no sivre. And, and I'm like, well, which one? And she just, you know, waves her hand in a general direction. And I'm like, there's five machines over there and you have operators on all of them. What do you mean it's not working? Which one isn't working? And like, oh, yeah, and she's pointing to what the, now she's trying to narrow it down. She's pointing into like the direction of two of the machines. And I'm like, there's still not that. Which one? Just take me there. You're not doing anything. You are literally just sitting at the desk. I can see what you're looking at. It's nothing. You're just looking to see whatever. You're not even doing paperwork. Just walk me to it and see whatever. So we go over there and we're trying to figure out what's going on and yada yada. And it's, it's another freaking super minor thing that it's like you're, the operators don't know what's going on or they don't know how to operate the machine. And it was that for my entire week. So the entire time I'm thinking, for the love of God, can we please stop getting people that just work like drones? If X thing doesn't work, oh, call maintenance. I, I don't know what's going on. When it's, oh, hey, is the machine even on? Did you try turning the machine on? Because I'm pretty sure a machine isn't going to do the thing if it's not on. I know it's kind of dumb where some people say, like, oh, uh, did you try turning it on and off? But when they do that, they reset the machine. You know, whenever someone tells gives you that dumb, I know it sounds dumb advice. It's like, did you try turning it on and off? That might have helped. It kind of does. Very because... much. It's, I give that to IT people. Like, I have, yeah. I have friends in IT. And they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know why this thing isn't working. I'm like, did you try turning it off and on again? And then they do it and it works. I'm like, Yeah, because sometimes it just needs to be reset or rebooted. You know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes the a lot of machinery tricks itself into not working, which I mean it happens, right? Like you know, uh, it's only so smart, so you have to reset it sometimes to get it back going. So yeah, you know, kind of a dumb thing, but hey, if it works, it works. But you know, if you turn it back on, you're expecting it to at least get power. You're expecting it to. You're at least going to encounter the same problem. Not, it's not even turning on. It's like oh, because you didn't tur- flick the power switch. I turned to the side and it's like oh hey, uh, that light switch. That turns on the power of this machine, doesn't it? And I get this look of, oh. I'm like, dude, how long have you been an operator here? You're the only one that ever operates this machine. How do you not know that? Like, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. There are sometimes there are some there are some machines that I currently also kind of don't know for sure while I'm working there. But I know, all right, if I do this, it does that. You know, I can kind of problem solve. But, oh my God, that's mostly been my week, man. I've been going back and forth. Uh, I'm This month, I'm starting Operation Clean Slate. So I'm trying to clean away a lot of the, the, the debt that I've accumulated because I went to a convention. And, oh boy, does your boy spend a lot. But there was also a bunch of previous stuff that I needed to pay off. And, uh, like, I'm, I'm, uh, my PC is being built. 
and uh, we were able to get things going, but I just ended up having it sent to the micro center so they could put it together for me. So unfortunately, they got stuck. They got swamped. So it's like, all right, fuck it. They gave me a two week thing. All right, we'll see if uh, when the PC is ready, because after when the PC is ready, I can start doing all the coding and video game stuff because my current laptop just does not have the space to run all the shit that I want. I can't even Unity's freaking 10 gigs. The damn text editor that I need to put on there for the basic package is 10 gigs. And then all this other stuff I need on there is another whatever. And I'll have like, I'll be running on two gigs and the laptop is going to keep giving me the uh, things like, oh, you know, you're out of space. You can't save this project. I'm like, so a lot of, a lot of minor frustrations, but you know, it is what it is. You know, Uh, I'll make it better and I'll do what I can to make sure that I get my own personal stuff done. I got, uh, I have most, I, I have everything plotted out for it gets first short. Mm-hmm. and I'm happy to really start working on it. Like, after this episode, I was going to get my notes together, finish, uh, do a general, I, you know, theory crafting again, and uh, make sure that these points I can work with, and then do my Sunday shopping, come home, work on that, and then I have a due date for myself to put out at least the first draft, so that way, you know, I can, you know, beta readers, all that other stuff, give input and stuff, so it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be cool. I also, uh, re- I haven't recently gotten into it. It's been a thing that's in the background for a while, but I've been... That it has been taking up my time. I I do a lot of miniature stuff, like miniature painting and miniature assembly and all this other stuff, three D printing. Mm-hmm. So I know I went on a rant before about the whole GW uh, greed workshop prices and everything else, but I do three uh, D print a lot of uh, Warhammer forty K stuff. So there's this project that I've been meaning to work on where um, I play the Imperial Guard or Astra Militarum, whatever freaking nomenclature you want to use because gw is dumb and they uh only the only time they decide to change shit is because oh wait we can't copyright that even though we plagiarize every fucking thing in the universe uh so besides the point so i've been meaning to get back into this hobby again because i have this huge table full of miniature stuff that is just full of miniature stuff it's just sitting there and i'd like to at least have them painted and assembled and move stuff around so i've been uh trying to work on that because that's 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 one of the things on my list uh, for the year that we had done previously. You know, work on the pile of shame. So I want to finish. You know, more and more stuff. Because I don't want to three D print anything else until that's done. I already have a bunch of boxes of other stuff, of other miniatures that I need to assemble, put together, and that's not even on this table. So I want to make sure. Boom. Let's clear away all the miniature stuff before I even buy more stuff. So yesterday I went and I grabbed these uh, army painter uh, stainless steel balls, and they're used for mixing. So last night, I ended up going through all my paints that I have, and I placed these uh, stainless steel metal balls into my paints. So that way, it's easier to you know uh, shake them up, because y- y- it's easier to have an agitator in there to help mixing. I don't have one of those uh, those vial mixing things that they have over at like hospitals and research centers or stuff. I want to pick one up, right. but they're like four. But like the cheapest one I found was like forty bucks for a decent one, and the stainless steel balls was only like 10 bucks. I'd rather, you know, have the agitators first and then shake them up for a bit. I don't need that first. I'd rather clear out a lot of debt before I really go and buy something that's unnecessary. So mm-hmm. I'll be working on that. Aside from that, uh, any closing words? No. Uh, I'm excited to read your story. Um, I'm going to check out this character thing later. But... Hey. Uh, <laughs> It's not a. I'll, I might reformat that document later and make it more of a wiki page instead of uh, because that 
that's that It'll came be off there for you if you do that anyway yeah because that document is more of like a character bible instead of a full 100 percent like wiki so uh it, it's mostly notes and stuff so i'll uh, with, with some input, it'll improve. You know what I mean? That's the thing. The yeah. more input you get from other people, the better you'll get. Oh, so yeah. I look forward to that. So, and, uh, all right. And well, with that, that yeah, y'all have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>